All right. We got a winner. Oh, we got a winner. We got a winner. Racing at Gulfstream. And here we go. It's been another week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of the shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic, holding down the fort. The Magic Mike Show. Mike is in Vegas for NHC. This is the Magic Mike Show, episode 343, and I'm not going to waste any time. I immediately want to introduce our special guest handicapper over here. Uh, this is a man who I've been very excited to have on the show for a long time. Everyone, not just myself, but everyone with the Racing Dudes team, we're all big fans of his work. Uh, he's a guy who, his closet is organized by the three S's, which is shirts, shorts, and sandals. He's like the king <laughs> of horse racing Twitter memes, and he's a hell of a sharp handicapper to boot. Uh, welcome to the show, Barry the Sniper Spears. Barry, good to have you on, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot. Um, it's good to be here, you know, big big weekend of racing. And you see, I, I, I kind of wanted to, to, to give you a shout-out with the Orlando Magic <laughs> Since you are the magic man, I so love it. <laughs> that, that, that's that's what the hat is for. I appreciate that. Well, not just that, but you are a, you're a Florida resident. Uh, how close do you actually live to Gulfstream, and how often do you get to go on a normal non-COVID time? Um, I'm about three hours away. I live in Daytona Beach. Okay. Um, so it's about three hours, three and a half hours. Um, I make the trip quite a bit. Um, this is actually going to be my second time uh, this year. Uh, I was there for Claiming Crown. Um, opening weekend but yeah uh it, it's a, it's a decent trip it's real it's real simple you know um driving in florida is a little bit drive than driving anywhere else for some reason i don't know why when i lived in massachusetts it was like you go 20 minutes and, and it used to like pull your hair out but here three hours is nothing i lived in uh, i did a, an internship at disney world a long time ago oh, and uh, okay. i used to go from I used to drive from orlando to palm beach where my i had family in palm beach so uh, yeah, driving, you just get on the road and it's like, it's just wide open. And as long as there's yep. not rain, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. Uh, so we're going to be looking at the late pick four. It's an all stakes late pick four on the Pegasus world cup card. It's all three Pegasus races plus the Fred Hooper. So I'm very excited to have Barry on because uh, as I said in the opener, he is a very sharp handicapper and he sent me his pick four ticket and we've got a lot of different opinions in a couple of races. So it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, to pick your brain and, and hear your handicapping thoughts. But before we get into it. You know how this works. What's the best thing you saw this week, Barry? Um, I don't know if, if anybody out there is, follows me on Instagram or on my Facebook page. I put up a video of, um, you know, I'm kind of a, a retro gamer. So, you know, I, I just got one of those little um, arcade one-up machines mm -hmm. uh, for my daughter for Christmas. And there was a video that I saw. It was basically, if, you, if anyone knows Street Fighter, um, there's a character on the game called Zanjeef. He's like a huge guy with a mohawk. He's giant. Mm -hmm. They recreated um, Shaq when he dunked on Chris Dudley in uh, <laughs> in in uh, the at the forum way back when, and he he dunked on Guile, pushed him down, you know, and then Guile comes back and does the sonic boom on him. And I thought it was pretty cool. It was like uh, you know stop animation type thing. It was, it was pretty, I, pretty sweet. I see it right here. I just Googled it on YouTube. Uh, yeah, Zangief, Zangief posterizes Guile. Um, yeah. <laughs> that'll be great. I'll have to check that out. Uh, when I uh, tweeted to, or, or, or tweeted out earlier today about the show, uh, you retweeted it and, and true to form, you had a great gif for it. But you use a wrestling gif and not just a wrestling one, but you used Cody Rhodes. And I don't know if that was accidental because you just typed in let's go and that's what he was doing. Uh, but Cody Rhodes was actually putting on a show last night in the AEW. So I don't know. Are you a fan of the AEW wrestling at all? You know, I, I tell this story a lot, and I'm not really a wrestling fan at all. Um, but my my wife, when we first got together, our first date was at an NXT match. <laughs> I had tickets. I'm not a fan. She's not really a fan. And I was like, well, let's just go. And and it's kind of stuck because there's there's some really strange relationship between – horse racing and wrestling 
there's a lot of a lot of people that follow horse racing that also follow wrestling really intently. So maybe I should get back into it or something. You know, <laughs> uh, rated our superstar who just won the was it the fifth season at Oaklawn uh, is the nickname of a wrestler named The Edge. Yeah, there's a, there's a pretty big crossover for it. But uh, anyway, Cody Rhodes last night in the, the <laughs> opening event, uh, it was one of those double ladder ones where they have to go you know 20 feet oh, up yeah. on these ladders. Two ladders, and I, I lost count three or four times. He and the guy he was facing um, would literally like jump from one, catch the other midair, and flip out or roll out and just straight down on the mat. I don't like. I know the story. How did I not get fair. hurt? How did How he not die? Hurt? Yeah. I mean, like, like broken, like broken necks, broken. I saw a guy um, like badly dislocate his elbow, and when I saw it happen live on air, Ooh. like I almost. Feigned it because I thought that like well surely they got to amputate that arm now <laughs> no he's fine like he's already wrestling again so um it just the it was great to watch the AEW thing for a lot of reasons if you if you guys watch the dudes who bet sports it was on earlier this morning uh, with Aaron and Papa dude Aaron talked all about the other thing that was great so uh, go check that out um, but Barry's not a wrestling fan so it was uh, I, I got my question answered on that one it was just happened to be a, a good gif for it so uh, this is not a wrestling podcast anyways let's get the hell out of this we're here to talk about <laughs> horse racing uh, the late pick four at Gulfstream Park on Saturday late pick four all the Pegasus races you ready for it Barry I'm ready I'm right is up. Kicking off the late, uh, the late pick four sequence at Gulfstream Park Saturday, 20, January 29th. The first running, the newly named Grade 3 Pegasus Philly Mare Turf, a field of 11 older and Philly mares. Going to mile 16th on the grass here. Favoritism is on number four, Regal Glory, 2-1. to one, By far the classiest horse, right? Exiting a Grade 1 win. Almost won a Grade 1 race before that. Jose Ortiz, 11 mounts for her. Uh, six wins, four seconds. Kind of a good record there. Uh, all that to say, did you use her on top? No. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go on? T- Who did you use on top here, Barry? I use uh, Lady Spite Spear. Um, I, I, I took a, a real long look at this horse um, in each one of her races. I, I think she's just getting better every time. The last race she had kind of an excuse. She ran hard the whole way around, like tremendously hard, um, even more than what the uh, the past performances and and it seemed like the the time kind of said, you know, visually she looked like she was really working hard. Um, definitely benefited from that race and make it a, a favorable pace scenario here uh, on Saturday. Um, there's kind of some speed in here. So, you know, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of clamoring for the lead. And I think she might end up getting kind of a soft trip and that that'll um, end up helping her in the end. So I I went six deep in this race. I went pretty deep in the uh, in the turf races because I was pretty pretty uh, thought they were pretty wide open. I did use her. She was one of the last ones on, and I really didn't know what to do with that Tropical Oaks race because she was running well, and then she she blew the turn. She was kind of a, a maximum security in the Derby on the turn, and then just was was erratic all over the place. And on the one hand, Barry, I'm like, all right, if she just runs straight, and Emma Wilson was trying, if she just runs straight, she wins that. But at the same time, is she going to do this again where now she's facing older horses, heavier competition here? Uh, I used her, but it wasn't a strong opinion. Were you concerned at all about that with her erratic running style in the Tropical Park Oaks? Sure, when you see something like that happens. But she's lightly raced. She's only got, you know, this will be her sixth race. So um, she's a winner. You know, that's that's what I appreciate about her. She, She likes to win. She knows how to win. Um, and, and I think this is a field that she can handle. There's not really too much greatness in this field. So, you know, um, maybe she can show that, uh, she can be great. Uh, one horse that, uh, that's actually the only horse in this field. I'm looking at our, both of our tickets here. It's the only one that we agreed on. Uh, but it was, at least it was your top pick. So usually if I have a guest on and their top pick, I didn't even use, I'm like, Either Uh-oh. I picked a bad guest or much more likely I really, you know, screwed this one up here. So um, I'm glad that, to hear that you like that one. I'm going to tell you my top one, and that is uh, Sweet Melania on the rail at 5 to 1. When I, going into the Suwannee River, Mike and I previewed uh, that sequence on Magic Mike Show, our, uh, the later uh, half of that card, and we had talked about Sweet Melania, and I talked about how much I liked her in that race. She ends up winning, and I said afterwards, I was like, she is my pick right now, Pegasus Philly uh, Mare Turf. I'm going to stick with her. 
I wish Velasquez was here because Velasquez to me is who unlocked what her new writing style is, which is to sit just off a pace. Uh, but Saez can do it, right? She's going to break from the rail. She shouldn't have any issue with a lot of horses, you know, forcing her out wide or, or pushing her back. So um, I, I really do love this horse. I think she's improving at the right time. And you didn't use her. So tell me why you're, why you're just completely off Sweet Melania right here. All right. I'll, I'll give you my, my somewhat reasoning. So her last race, uh, her buyer speed figure jumped up nine points from her previous top. That was the first start off a layoff of, of about two months, actually a little bit over two months, two months and a couple days. And I think she's a big time bounce candidate. Um, I think the next one is her is, is the race for her, not this one. Now, mind you, I mean, I, I could be totally wrong and miss and she runs lights out. I mean, it, it's it's definitely possible, but I'm willing to gamble that she may bounce this time and not run such a good race and regress off of that really nice effort she had in the uh, Swanee River. Uh, and it was fantastic, but you bring a good point. Yeah, the career best, you know, 80, 89, you see that 97. You got to you gotta try and figure out, you got to play one way or the other. Is she going to bounce her or say? So that's where Barry's going. Uh, let me know where you're going with your next pick here because you went four deep. So who's the next one you want to talk about? Um, Wakanaka. The, the uh, Italian horse. Um, I watched her last race um, over at the uh, 1,000, the Italian 1,000 Guineas. Um, I watched it a few times, and and I was really impressed. Uh, she kind of did it easy, um, kind of eased up at the wire, uh, you know, kind of sat a little bit back, you know, kind of eased out and, and ran them down and, and, and was eased late, and, and she seems to be improving. I mean, she could be any kind. She could absolutely destroy this field possibly um you know it, it's it's just one of those things it's like a feast or famine i had to throw this horse in because i think she might be a price or a decent price um and you know i i couldn't leave a, a mystery horse like this out and have him beat me at a, at a have her beat me at a big price uh, you are going to get a price at, or at least the morning line suggests you were going to get 12 to 1. Uh, it's interesting because she's ex raced exclusively in Italy. She's Irish bred. Um, but then you're getting the Italian stallion Umberto Rispoli <laughs> in from California for other mounts. But he picks up the uh, Italian. There's one Italian horse and you put Rispoli on it. I don't know. He, he would know Diego de Torre better than you and I probably do. So yep. uh, maybe he knows something's up with this horse. I, I didn't use her because... I'm like, is an Italian horse going to really come over here and beat all of these horses in the Pegasus? I mean, I know that our horses, compared to European turf horses, aren't that great. But that's like, I mean, they might as well be coming from Chile, Argentina, Venezuela, and just, you know, killing us on the turf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, it, it, to me, you know, this is like now or never with this horse. So if, if she's ever going to win, it's going to be that day. And if not, you know, I'll, I'll be willing to throw in a ticket just, just for that reason. Uh, let's keep rolling down the uh, the list here because I know the last horse that you used. We've talked about three or uh, a couple of them so far. Uh, Giftless, the five horse. Um, I didn't end up using, and I went back and forth on her with with going six deep. Especially, I didn't use her. But tell me why Giftless is on your ticket. Um, I, I really uh, thought she ran well last. You know, since coming over from uh, from Great Britain, she. You know that that race she ran against Jouster was was very very good. Who was another Pletcher horse. Um, and she kind of progressed from there, just thumped the field uh, over at Churchill and then ran into Conlima, who got a favorable setup, you know, and, and I thought the pace was really slow and she, she closed into that slow pace, um, which was really impressive. But, you know, the downside, she hasn't been out since June. Um, and another point for her is that workout she had on uh, January 14th was, was pretty solid. And, and it kind of came out of nowhere. So I, I'm, I'm thinking she might be okay for this. And that work is a big reason why I was like, God, should I use her? Should I use that? And what Barry's <laughs> talking about, if, you're, if you don't have the PPs in front of you, is there is a five furlong work on the turf at Prairie Meadows, uh, 57 and one. If you do that on dirt at Prairie Meadows, people are calling you, if you're three years old, you're the derby winner. Uh, she did that on turf off the layoff. So uh, the layoff is what scared me away. But man, that work says that she might be uh, loaded for bear. Um, so didn't use her, but but good points for you. Uh, we'll keep going down the list here because I did end up using not the six, but my actually my second choice in this race is the seven nicest coming from California. And a couple of reasons for this. Number one is the trainer, Michael McCarthy. And you know this, Barry, because you play Gulfstream a lot. But he shipped to Gulfstream in the last five years a total of three times in the past. 
2021, he does it twice. CC wins the Princess Rooney, gets the birth of uh, the Breeders' Cup Family Mare Sprint, wins that race. Uh, he brings Independence Hall, he wins, or he gets third, but you remember, he had just lost the Malibu by 10 lengths, and people were like, why are you sending him to the Pegasus, you're an idiot. Well, he got third, so uh, it ended up working out pretty well, and oh yeah, by the way, 2019 wins the Pegasus with City of Light. So my point is, McCarthy doesn't show up to Gulfstream unless he thinks he's got a horse that's going to win, and you've got a horse that's owned by the, one of the two main Japanese breeding and owning ownership groups, Katsumi Yoshida. Coolmore breeds the horse. You can look at just the royalty there, American Pharaoh, and Mount Jumeirah. So distance, turf, you know, those should be good for her. But if you scratch off the QE2 cup because she was on yielding turf, and then the red carpet, she doesn't have pace to chase, and then she's on dirt in the American Oaks, she's finally getting the setup that they sent her to America for for the very first time, which is a fast, firm turf course, two turns, and lots of speed to chase. So I think this sets up really well. Um, I'm a little surprised that Reese Bully is in, is in Florida and didn't ride this horse, even though he rode her two back. But, I mean, Gaffleone, he's kind of good at Gulfstream, so uh, I'm going to go with her. But why did you not use this horse? Um, I, I just have a, and this, this is going to really sound bad. I have an aversion to, to West Coast turf horses coming east. Um, and those horses that you mentioned that, that um, McCarthy had sent, they're all dirt horses. Uh, the turf horses have a different effect here. I know... Uh, uh, when Mo Forza came for this race uh, a few years ago, or was it last year? No, it was the year before, I think. Um, yeah, whenever it was, yeah. But, you know, he's razor sharp at the time and just oh, yeah. didn't run a step. I mean, just if you look at it, if you ever see his past performances and you're like, what what happened there? <laughs> and and it happens a lot. And, and that's the only reason why I didn't use this horse. I, I, I agree with you in in like every situation, everything that you said about this horse, if if this horse was coming in from let's say fairgrounds, I probably would use him on a ticket. It's just <laughs> it's just a, my my personal aversion to, to the to these California horses on the turf at Gulfstream. It just doesn't work for some reason. Listen, Mike Samich might be in Las Vegas, but you sounded exactly like Mike right there. That is exactly why Mike would have said, don't play nice. I'm serious. So that was a, I'm really glad that you said it. As soon as you said it's like, it's like Mike's here. It's like Mike's not even left. So, uh, yeah, no, great argument. And because I'm going to use, you know, an argument kind of similar to that later for a different horse, um, the argument that you used. Uh, Summer in Saratoga, the eight horse is the last one on. I'll go quick. Uh, this horse is going to need to be able to chase him, but she's second off the layoff for Sharp, who is the king of fairgrounds. And he scratched her out of a stakes race at fairgrounds to come here. He sees this as winnable. That tells me, you know, maybe a little bit of blood in the water, uh, three for six at the distance. I'm going to play her, but the buyer figures say that she's going to need a career best effort to pop. So that's why uh, she's a little low there. Um, I did use the 10 in a hurry for Suge McGahee. I thought that really her Swanee River was a good effort because she was the only one other than Sweet Milani, who won, to gain on Shifty She. If you remember, Shifty She was long gone early on the lead, almost holds on to win. Two horses closed, the winner and this one. Uh, Suge, when he gets them good, he can keep them good. So I'm going to roll with her. You know, We're going to get 12 to 1 on these horses that I'm talking about. So I'm willing to take some shots with them. But the fact that they're 25% together, Castellano and Suge, with a positive ROI, uh, makes me take a chance here. So uh, why I used in a hurry. And then I'll turn it back to you because I was wrong. We did agree on one last one, the 11, bipartisanship. It's all you, Barry. Yeah, I, I like horses like this. Um, it, it's kind of a, a a play where you can just throw down field because this this race could go a lot of different ways. And if for whatever reason, let's say Lady Spitesbeer, um, and and they just for some reason can't control Sweet Melania, <laughs> and she runs off um, like she did when she was younger, um, you could have a nice little speed duel here, and it would set it up for a horse like uh, bipartisanship. So I was kind of trying to cover all my bases and threw this long shot in there. I, I, I do enjoy the, uh, the improving speed figures like steady. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and uh, you know, ran a good race last time. And I, I don't see why she couldn't do it again. If, if the setup is right. I agree with you. I, uh, the tropical park Oaks, I thought that she actually, uh, it's the same race where Lady Spitespear was running erratic that we talked about to start this race, right? Uh, bipartisanship, I don't know how Paco found that whole, like, well, I guess I know because Lady Spitespear created it for him. But, like, when he said go, she took off. And that the way that she took off on the Gulfstream Park turf, it looked like a Chad Brown horse in New York in a grade one. It was just like when, when she needed to go, she was gone. Um, so I'm with you. I really like her in this spot. The post draw, concerning, not really, right, because she's going right. to be holding back Closer. there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's Perfect. a closer. So, yeah, I mean, Grim Motion is is, is pretty, you know, as, as good as it gets. Um, keeping horses in form over a period of time, and and this one is just just steadily improving. So, I had to throw her in there. Plus, wouldn't it be great with the week that we have with the Bob Baffert hearing if Graham Motion goes in there and wins on actual water hay and oats in a grade three? Be pretty nice. Uh, we'll move on to the second leg, the late pick four sequence at Gulfstream Park, the grade three Fred Hooper stakes. We've got nine older males going a one-turn dirt mile uh, in this event. And Todd Pletcher's got two in Liam and Fearless. You've also got the two-to-one favorite, the eight-horse Speaker's Corner. Uh, that's the favorite. And Barry, that's the one that you and I agree on. So I'll let you talk about why we're using Speaker's Corner. Um, speaker's corner kind of could be a standout here and, and, and may in fact win easy. I know this, this looks like a, a prep for something, um, over in Dubai for, uh, the race over in Dubai that it could be that, you know, it is a Godolphin horse and, and, you know, every time this horse is out on the track, she, she runs pretty good. The only time, um, or he, uh, the only time he didn't really run well is, is going a mile and an eighth at, at parks, which is kind of a quirky surface. So, you know, I can forgive that effort because he bounced back and, 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 and just kind of did his thing. Um, ran well in the discovery. Uh, I, I just don't think this, this field is all that strong um, and, and could dominate this race. So that's where I'm at with, uh, with that horse. So if you've watched the Magic Mike show, all great points, by the way, thank you. Uh, if you watch the Magic Mike show long enough, you know that, that last year during the Triple Crown season, Speaker's Corner's maiden special weight victory was a key race for several, like you mm-hmm. go to uh, Florida, to Arkansas. So it was a shame that we didn't get to see him until August because what could have been. But then, boy, he comes back and he gets that 101 buyer. And then, sure, he runs into Hot Rod Charlie. You know, that, okay, we're going to forgive you for losing to him. Bounces right back against great competition or, or, or against lesser competition. So he's either facing elite horses or he's absolutely <laughs> destroying middle of the road horses. And Miles D, who he just lost to in the discovery, that horse, if he stays healthy, is going to be a great horse in New York for Chad Brown. It's a curling colt. So really talented horse to have lost to there. Um, so I'm with you on that one. Here's where we diverge because Todd Pletcher's got two. I'm using one and you're using the other. You're going to go with Fearless on the rail, who's the five to two second choice. I love this horse in the Harlan's Holiday Stakes. I thought he should have gone to the Pegasus. The problem is he's in the same barn as life is good. So if, if your thing is like, well, I thought he could be good in the Pegasus, so he's got to win this, I understand why you're playing him. Is that your reasoning? That's absolutely my reasoning. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the horse is just it razor sharp form. This is a softer field. Um, and really the only other horse besides uh speaker's corner he'll have to deal with his own staple mate um but i i I just didn't like liam all that much so i i figured that um going with the these top two the one and the eight should uh should be enough to get out of this race into the next one i didn't use fearless i had to i also went kind of chalky a little later so um I, i i've been in love with liam for a bit but i'll touch on him my concern with Fearless is, is the race two back. It was that $60,000 handicap that he was favored, and he lost to Hiralamo's attack, who's back in this race. It was the same setup, and the issue is, was he just not geared up? Was it that he doesn't like to run short at a mile? I don't know about that because he won the Gulfstream Park mile last year, so it shouldn't necessarily be that. I just think at this point, he's better suited for two turns, and I think that Speaker's Corner and Liam, he can't beat both of them. He can, can beat one of them, but because they're both in this race... Uh, I don't think he can beat both of them. Liam's my top pick. And uh, again, if you've watched, listened to the Magic Mike show, going into that race when he returned on December 15th, I was proclaiming that that was going to be a prep for the Fred Hooper. And Mike laughed at me and told me I was crazy. Uh, Liam wins for fun, came on the show the next time, made Mike eat a giant bowl of crow. It's the one time I get to do it, so I got to <laughs> take advantage of it. Uh, but I stick to my guns. I thought the way that he did in that, the way that he won that race was exactly what I wanted to see from him. Uh, Saez doesn't stay aboard. He goes to fearless. It's a tiny bit concerning, but Irad's pretty damn good. Um, I don't really have any concerns with him. Uh, you could look at this and say, well, he needs a buyer speed figure. To, he needs to hit 101. That's a 15% improvement. His improvement from start one to start two, 15%. His improvement from his maiden special weight win to the Oklahoma Derby, 15%. He's literally done that twice. So my answer when Mike Samich says, well, he can't do it. Yes, he can. He's done it twice. He'll do it a third time for me as my top pick at five to one. Let's go. All right. I can't knock <laughs> oh. that. I mean, uh, the, the, one of the reasons why I shied away is, is I was kind of 
not sure why they put that horse in that $25,000 race. You know, when if they knew that, that the horse, you know, was, was a lot better than that, why'd they put him in for so cheap? But nothing happened. He didn't get claimed. I don't think he wasn't in for the claim, I don't believe. Right. Um, but uh, I guess it was just, you know, a really soft spot for him to come back and get his confidence up. So I, I, I just – it just seems like those other two have, have a little bit more established form and, and, and a little bit more battle tested at, at this kind of level. Um, I swear it sounds like Matt, like Mike is still here. <laughs> that's the exact same thing that Mike would have said uh, in response. Um, that's actually exactly what he did. Maybe say. I talked to I Mike. See? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, that's what it is. You got the, I, you got the 411. I should have, I should have called him. He's in my ear. He's in my ear. Um, we'll ask him who he likes in the eighth at Remington. Um, the, uh, that's exactly what Mike had said about Liam and why he didn't like him in that race. He said, you just wasted a whole con like a condition for a very small purse. It wasn't the championship meet yet. So it was back, you know, the, the very small purse for him. Uh, my reply is why does Todd Pletcher have Emmanuel go from Gulfstream maiden special weight win to a Tampa allowance where there's no money and no competition, an easy win, build that confidence. That's but again, you know, I, you're you're saying you know that you like him and just was kind of splitting hairs here. So I don't have to yeah. try and convince you too much. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move back to the turf. Third leg of the late pick four sequence. Another one we're going to go pretty deep here. This is the Grade One Pegasus World Cup turf field of a dozen males going to mile and eighth on the grass. Favoritism on the defending champion Colonel Liam. We're getting three to one on him. But this is a horse that we haven't seen since June when he had his four race win streak very rudely snapped. Um, <laughs> I don't see him becoming the first two-time winner of this race. I did not use him. Is he your top pick? No, definitely not. All right. Where are you going on top then, buddy? Uh, this, this race gave me fits. I, I have. But I ended up going to number two, Atone, as my top pick. I thought this horse ran an excellent race in the Fort Lauderdale. Uh, kind of ran against the race flow because Doswell had his own way up front. I, I know there's no fractions or anything, but uh, the final time suggests that it wasn't that quick. You know, it, it was kind of like a, a dominating victory. And, and you know, I, I just thought Atone is, is, is the now horse kind of. He, he's improving. Um, and and this will be the time because there there's really – this race is so weird because nobody really stands out. I mean, Colonel Liam, you, you can – go back to his form from last year where he was, you know, he, he got really good in, in a, in a real short period of time, but then he disappears for months. So it's like, well, at least last year he had a race before the turf invitational, which this year he doesn't, I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, so I, you know, again, any kind of question mark with a favorite or someone that's going to get bet a lot, you don't have to convince me too much to, to leave him out. So that's why I ended up with a tone. I think he's going to be a good price, you know, even if he gets bet a little bit, which I think he might. I don't think he's going to be 20 to 1, but he's not going to be, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I don't think he's going to be less than 10 at, at the worst. So uh, this is my top pick as well. This is why I clapped. Um, I do have bad news for you. This officially solidifies we're not getting anywhere close to 20 to 1 because you're high on him. I'm high on him. And I will tell you that in the inside track to the Pegasus World Cup wagering guide, which is available now at racenews.com, if you buy that and you look at the top four selections from all of the handicappers, you might see a tone's name at the top or very near the top of a lot of people's lists. So if you were hoping for 20 to 1, buy it offshore or don't cry on race day because it's you're not getting it. Um, but you said every one of the points that I was going to make, other than I will argue uh, or I will say that he is, his buyers have improved every start since Maker took over. And the one time that he ran a poor race, uh, like was worse than second in five starts, it's because he was running for the lead. And at the 16th pole, he got cut off and had to steady. So if you scratch that off when he probably would have won that race, he's five, three and two for maker. So I uh, absolutely love that you're on with the tone. I really hate that we're not getting a price, but at this point I'll just take a win. You know what? 20 to one in the multis looks a lot better. You know, maybe we can get closer to that. Um, let's talk about the three Flavius. Cause this is a horse that you and I both used as well. Uh, for me, uh, speaking of Mike maker, this is a horse that if you remember was with Chad Brown, Judmont farms owned him, bred him. And Chad just couldn't get this horse to pop in a graded stakes race, and he, he runs like a jackass sometimes. <laughs> There's literally one person in the world who can take a turf horse from anyone, or a dirt horse, and make them a solid turf horse and get the absolute best out of them, and it's Mike Maker. Horse gets privately purchased 
after last season ends and they can't get a greatest, you know, another greatest stakes win for him, I would love if Maker just like, I'll take him, pops him right in the Pegasus and wins. Like what? That was hard? Yeah. I mean, he's done it before. I yes. think he did something similar. I want to say it was, was it at Arlington? Arlington Million? I don't know. He, he Or one of those big races out on Arlington Million Day, he did it with a horse he just claimed. and and, and just Alpha, stepped- right? Uh, I think that's one of them, but there was another horse he did it with too, like a few years back. But I mean, he's, he's a magician with all this stuff yeah. and, and, you know, no pun intended, but, uh, I, I just like this horse. I think this horse is tough. I, you know, obviously there's something that went awry in his last two starts. I mean, I can forgive any, any effort at Kentucky downs. I can forgive because the course is just weird and there's hills mm-hmm. and some horses just don't like it. Um, then he came back in in in, uh, in the Artie Schiller, and even then, you know, the Aqueduct course is is okay. I, I mean, I think he'll like this uh, South Florida move better. Even though actually one of um, his better races was at Kentucky Downs. I don't know. It's just it's just a little finicky. So I'm okay with that. Um, and I think that he's going to be forwardly placed. He's going to be in a good spot from the three spot from the three hole. So. You know, I, I think if he gets his his right race, he can win this. I perfectly said. Uh, let's move to. I'm looking to see the next horse. Let me take a seat. Now we're. I think we're going to split off from here. Um, but let's keep going in order here. Uh, actually, you know what? Before we disappear, my one of uh, my top picks here is Space Traveler on the rail. So we'll talk about him before he disappears off screen. Uh, I love that Jamie Spencer's coming over to ride this horse. And you say, well, he's coming over to ride two horses. No, he's coming to ride Space Traveler. <laughs> And what happened is Jamie Spencer's agent called and he said, Jack Sisterson, can, can I, we ride Flying Scotsman for you in, in, earlier on the card? And Jack says, yeah, that's great. Just curious. Why would you want to do that? Well, we'd like to get Jamie in for a workout on the grass to see what it's like, but we don't really know that he'll make it. So instead, we know Flying Scotsman, he'll be out in front early and last about five furlongs. So it'll be similar to a workout. So we'll just let you ride Flying Scotsman as a prep for Space Traveler. So uh, Jack, I think we'll get a cut of the purse if Space Traveler wins this. But, uh, you really no, should. I, Space Traveler, I can make an excuse for every single one of his races in America why why he lost. First of all, the Mr. D, zero pace. Every horse gets an excuse for that. Uh, The Woodbine Mile, that's a one-turn, not his setup, not his preferred thing to do. Goes back to two turns for the Keeneland Turf Mile and runs pretty well in that. Has some traffic trouble in the stretch, but runs well. Goes to the Fort Lauderdale, and he looks a little rusty, but now we're going to put the blinkers on him. And now, instead of having that uh, super far outside draw where he was all the way in the parking lot, now he's on the rail. And now we're getting blinkers, and now we're getting 12-1 to 1 instead of 3-1, to 1, and I'm getting Jamie Spencer, uh, one of the best riders in Europe. So uh, I love this horse. Just tell me real quick, Barry, why you didn't use Space Traveler. Um, I just don't think the horse can just finish races. That's, that's really my only beef with him. I, I know last time... Um, they really weren't trying to win. I, I, I think I remember hearing that the, the connections just were kind of use this for prep for this race. So I wasn't expecting anything. I was actually kind of surprised um, when the horse ended up getting bet quite a bit. So I, I expect an improved effort for sure. I just think it's, it's going to be a tough task, especially with those other two that uh, he faced last time. Um, he does get a favorable post position in comparison, but um, I just like the few others better. Uh, I just saw Michael Myers of Flying Scotsman's now winning. I just put him in the winners. That'd be really, that'd be really. <laughs> I might throw five bucks on him now just because I did that to him. Um, uh, Dennis, I saw your question. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but let's keep going here because uh, Barry used the four March to the Arch, and if you're not paying attention to Gulfstream, Mark Cassie and Edwin Gonzalez, good lord, they're hitting one for every three mounts together right now. It doesn't matter turf, dirt, synthetic, short, long. It's all over the place. So you're using him, you're getting a square price at 20 to 1 because yeah, well, he hasn't won since July. But talk to me about why you like this horse. Um, again, this, this race is, is totally wide open. This horse has some back class and some races to go to as far as, you know, um, a top performance that, that could actually win this race. So, you know, things in this race could get really, really weird, wacky, whatever, you know, adjective you want to throw in there. <laughs> and, and I can see a, a scenario or two or three that March the Arch could pick up the pieces and win this race. I, I mean, th- this by far in this sequence is the most wide open race I thought. So that's why I, I, I basically use March to the Arch. I think this is another one that's going to be a price and it, and it wouldn't surprise me. I'm just kind of trying to throw one downfield because we can't have all chalk come through and it just ruin my whole day. 
If Chalk comes, if, if we get Chalk through all these four, you can freaking have it. That's not even, I'm so, yeah, ex I haven't I been this it. excited about a card since the Breeders' Cup. If it comes in all Chalk, you can keep it and go pound uh, the Gulfstream sand. <laughs> um, but you were talking about something, and this is why I want to get back to Dennis's question here uh, mid-race, is how deep do you need to go through this race in order to feel safe getting into the Pegasus? And my answer is really deep. Uh, Barry and I are both going five deep in a 12-horse field. Uh, yeah, 12 horses. Barry, at one point, I briefly looked at this and was like, could I single in two legs and hit the all button in this race? Because this feels like this is where the most fireworks could happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not one to go all personally, because I just don't think that in <laughs> any that race, <laughs> in any race that every horse has an equal shot. So I'm always going to eliminate horses. I'm never going to play all. But I, I mean, you can make a case for literally all of these horses. If any one of these horses win, I would not be surprised at all. I would be slightly surprised, and probably you, because of your hatred for California horses coming to Gulfstream if the five hit the road one. But I would be very happy because Dan Blacker is a genuinely good uh, human being. So uh, all the good things for Dan Blacker. But we didn't use him. We'll move on. You did use Colonel Liam, and I didn't. Uh, was it, Oh, I'm sorry. No, you didn't no. either. I looked, missed, I, I, and we talked about that. So we're no passing chalk. on him. No chalk, <laughs> chalk zone. No chalk here for that one. Uh, the seven Doswell is a, was a horse that I think was last on for me. I went back and forth um, on it, but I, uh, Mary Bishop in the chat is a big Doswell fan, so I'm glad that good timing on that. This horse runs really well at Gulfstream, first of all. Uh, wins the Fort Lauderdale, and I agree with you, a very slow race, really, uh, even though we don't have the fractions, but it, it visually it looked slow. He didn't get any pace pressure. I don't think that's really what he wants to do. I think he likes to sit just off of whoever's leading, which is odd because his three career wins, they all came setting the pace. But if you look at what, you know, the, a lot of the riders have tried to do with him, they like to pull him back a little bit. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. That race also, the Fort Lauderdale, uh, we were expecting one horse to go to the front, which was analyze it. And when he didn't, Doswell just kind of inherited it. So he's coming off a career best effort. Barkley Tag showed with his the law that when he's got a horse that's really, really talented, he places it properly. I'm going to use him in this spot. But again, he was the last one on for me and you're not using. Do you want to say why? Um, the same reasons, pretty much. I, I just don't think, um, you know, it's, I, I don't know what kind of, <laughs> what kind of effort you're going to get on Saturday after that, you know, kind of gifted lead that, mm -hmm. um, he got, uh, last time in the Fort Lauderdale. So, you know, I, I don't think the, the setup is going to be favorable. The race kind of looks a little bit more competitive than that one, um, which kind of opens it up for, for other horses that, that may close I, I don't know if they're even going to try for the lead it, it, it's it's kind of you know maybe they will i'm not really too sure and and that's another reason why i'm not really i i got a tough read on that horse and he doesn't look like somebody that i want to use anyway someone who uh, definitely we didn't use is the eight which is funny chad brown has one horse in the pegasus world cup and in years past you'd be like you've got to use him but uh this is not domestic spending so um i didn't use sacred life and you didn't uh we can just we're gonna chuck that horse i think six to one is a bad price on maybe i think you're paying for the name on the jersey a little bit there uh <laughs> there's another mike maker horse here that we haven't talked about that you're using and that's the nine field pass go ahead and talk to me about him yeah another one you know it this reminds me of like you know those kind of races where they take turns beating each other <laughs> and I, I can see that kind of scenario and usually when when that happens you get a, a wide open field like this and somebody who's not getting bet is the one that ends up you know getting the trip and I can see a situation where this happens with field pass and I know I'm kind of breaking my rule a little bit he ran last time at Del Mar but he's not really a California horse um, at least not over the the last year so <laughs> <laughs> um, he's been running well. He's in good form. I, I, I just don't, I couldn't leave him out in a race like this because there's, there's so many question marks. There's so many ways it could go and it's so wide open. He wasn't the worst here. And I think he, I, I think he can be forwardly placed and get a nice stalking trip in case it's a, you know, a slow pace. So he, he's going to write his own ticket and probably get a nice little run. So it's up to him to finish it off. And, and, and I gave him a shot. Hey, I, I can't blame you. I mean, by speed figures, it says that he's right there. By class, whose face, it says he's right there. But one thing for me, I just talked about we're not using Sacred Life, and the two of them went back and forth. 
in their last two races, knocking heads. Um, I agree with you. He's not a California horse, especially if you race at Del Mar in November. Um, that you're not a California horse. That's literally the only place that you can run for money and, and prestige at that point of the year and actually get a good grass course. Um, Reese Bully is going to be riding for Maker. Reese Bully rode for Maker quite a bit um, at Del Mar when Maker was there in the summertime. You see they were 28% with 25 mounts. So Reese Bully gets some good horses for Maker. They, they work well together. Um, didn't use, but uh, I am a little worried about the horse, especially because I'm using the other two Makers. I might need to revisit this strat. Nope. Nope, never mind. <laughs> I, I, I changed that. my mind. <laughs> yeah, we changed my <laughs> mind on that one. Uh, the last horse for you that you used, I believe, was the 10, correct? Channel Cat for, well, I made fun of him earlier, but I do love Jack Sisterson. <gasps> talk, talk about Channel Cat. Oh, oh, my heart. I, I, I like Channel Cat. Um, you know, obviously, he's not my top pick in here, but the horse is tough. I mean, again, this is one of those things where I, was, I may have been overthinking it a little bit. But there is a situation where this horse gets a, a, a lead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I honestly think that he might be a little bit quicker than Doswell, even if Doswell tries to go for the lead. Um, you know, again, you're getting top jockey on this horse who, you know, it, it was it's kind of strange that he lands here on this horse in this race. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you dial up his win back in May. Uh, he was tough as nails on the lead, and I don't see why he couldn't merit a shot here. Um, I, I couldn't leave him out at, at a decent price. Again, I'm, I'm trying to fish for prices here because I don't, I, I don't like the favorites at all. Uh, this is what caught my attention with Channel Cat, Joe L. Rosario. There's 12 horses, and you're telling me that the best finisher in the sport couldn't have picked almost any horse in this race, and, and he went with Channel Cat, who usually not like you're. I'm with you, Barry. He's usually up front running, um, and they're taking the blinkers off that he had on the Red Smith that almost led to him winning. So uh, I, that's pretty intriguing to me. Um, I also am a big uh, proponent of Jack Sisterson on big days when he enters a horse in a grade one, and you look at it and go, I don't really get why that horse is here. Uh, that's when you get a bon raison that goes on and, and just destroys your, <laughs> it blows up everything that you had going in the toboggan. So um, not going to knock you for it and definitely not going to knock you for using uh, sisters. And neither of us used the 11 cross border, which is the other, other, other maker in this race. Uh, Ray Lou Gutierrez hops aboard. Uh, horse is talent, but but is 0 for 4 on the Gulfstream Park turf. So um, I think he's a cut below, but, you know, maker's got half the good horses in here. So if you used him, I don't blame you. I went with the 12 never surprised uh, it, because I'm going to know, Barry, in like five seconds if this horse has any shot of winning because he's parked in the parking lot and it's a quick run to that turn, right? Size has got a quarter horse in mount. If he gets a clean break, a quick break, and somehow clears and crosses over, pulls a flow on gun runner, this horse could go gate to a wire. If he doesn't cross over, if he doesn't get a clean break, I got four other chances in this race. <laughs> but he is fast. I mean, look at what he's done. When he doesn't get pressure, he just keeps winning. And one thing that uh, Mike taught me a long time ago when I was first getting the sport, uh, with Pletcher, watch where he takes his horses because he's always in New York and Florida in the winter. He debuts the horse at Aqueduct before the championship meet. Uh, horse wins two straight, brings him to Gulfstream for the championship meet, then brings him to Saratoga, keeps him with his best string, and as soon as the Gulfstream Park championship meet opens again, comes right back down and wins the Tropical Park Derby for fun. Um, if the post wasn't so terrible, if he was like mid-pack, I'd probably be three deep and this horse would be a lot higher. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think him drawing the outside changed the whole collection of this race. And if he was if he was in like the seven hole, I, I, I probably wouldn't have gone this deep and tried to play a, a smaller ticket for a bigger amount. But um, since he's out there, that causes a lot of problems. Um, even if he is able to clear, he may have to work too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's a lot that could go on, and, and I'm just betting against him getting uh, quite an easy lead, especially with Rosario riding Channel Cat. Although the one time that, that uh, Rosario did ride Channel Cat, uh, previously, he did come off the pace. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's it's a rider's race here. And and I think um, size has no choice but to kind of gun it. And that might end up hurting Never Surprised in the end. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if, if he kind of takes them all the way around and loses right at the wire. 
It could happen, yeah. It's, I think that uh, you said it best. This is a writer's race, and we've got several of the best writers in the country, plus Mr. Jamie Spencer in town for this one. So it'd be very exciting. But if you want excitement, this is the race. This might be the race of the year, and it's always great. When it's like, it's January. That was the race of the year. Uh, let's, we'll see you in 2023. But the Pegasus World Cup, the showdown between Knicks Go, Life is Good. We've been waiting since the Breeders' Cup Classic ended for this uh, showdown. Uh, you've got to pick one. You did pick one. We're both singling the same horse. Barry Spears, make the pick. Who's winning the 2022 Pegasus World Cup? Life is good because life is good. <laughs> life and is life is good, good for us. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, I just think he's just faster than, than Nick's go um, as, as, a, as a speed entity because Nick's go kind of rations his speed out over the course of a race. I mean, he's quick. Don't get me wrong. And he's, he, he's very quick. But I, I just think, you know, pure unadulterated speed life is goes more um, if you go back to Nick's, Nick's goes, uh, Met Mile and his uh, Saudi Cup, two times he was headed, he backed up. And I, I haven't seen any fight. And, you know, life is good kind of really earned my respect when he battled with uh, Jackie's Warrior. I mean, he, he, he just went at him and, and just lost by a neck. So, you know, I, I just think life is good. It's, it's his time. I, you, man, you just, I, I should just, between, you could have just had the Magic Mike show and it just would have been you because I, you've either said all Mike Samish things or you've said me things and you've, you've taken so many, um, so many points that I was going to make. And, and thankfully, because that makes me feel better if you're seeing the same thing I am. All right. That makes me feel a lot better. Uh, listen, between you explaining it right there. And then if you listen to Aaron Halterman uh, on Dude to Bet Sports this morning, or if you catch him on Blinkers Off when he's with Jared later today, I'm sure he'll make the same exact case. But he says it so perfectly, and, and Barry alluded to it, when Nick's go is headed, he, and the second turn, he doesn't fight. And that's the key that Aaron laid it out perfectly, that all life is good needs to do is, it doesn't matter where he's at, if he's setting the pace, or if he's you know, sitting behind, Keep Nick's go pinned in because if you've seen Nick's go in one race, you've seen him in all the races, if there's nobody pushing him, he's like in the five path off the far turn, right? And then what happened in the Met Mile in the Saudi Cup that Barry's talking about, a horse ahead of him kept him pinned inside, prevented him from just carrying that speed and that momentum out. He had to force himself to slow down to corner. That slowing down, that's what kills him. That's why we're both using Life is Good to single. But I'm curious because there's a lot of you people watching here. Let us know in the comments. Who do you think is going to win this race? Because I'm very curious. Uh, the split seems to be uh, leaning towards life is good. But Nick's goes the 6-5 to five favorite. And what the hell has he done wrong other than lose the Saudi no. Cup, you know? He really hasn't. I, I mean, it was it was just, you know, it kind of stood out to me when, when mischievous Alex just saw his face when they both saw each other. And Nick's go just didn't carry on. And even uh, if you go back to when he lost uh, that 7 furlong race at Keeneland, um, Kind of did the same thing. He ended up finished second uh, that day, but um, I just—it's just—it's—it's uh, it's very hard to explain. But you know, when you see it, and life is good, is it? I, I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> the la one of the last points I'll make here is that Aaron Altman, uh after the Jerkins, when he lost to Jackie's Warrior, and I mean, you can blame the bride, you can the ride, you can say whatever it was, but um, a valiant effort nonetheless. Aaron said if they spot this horse properly, he will never lose again in his career, and he can run all the way through his four-year-old year. I agree. They, the Kelso was the right move. The Dirt Mile was the right move. The Dirt Mile, by the way, has produced two Pegasus World Cup winners, including Nick's Go. We've never had a repeat winner, and I think it, it – I can't remember, Barry, if it was with you and Chuck. You guys might have uh, said this. Please correct me if it was, but um, – Whenever you have a showdown between two horses in the Pegasus, there's always the established veteran who's on his way out, and you've got the hot up-and-comer who's lightly raced and fresh. The lightly raced fresh one has always beaten the outgoing up and uh, outgoing hotshot. So, next go, I love you. A dead heat would be amazing. I'd love a stretch ballot ends in a dead heat, but we're going with life is good. Yeah, I see Dennis Trusty uh, put up, uh, you know, asking us who, who has a chance to hit the board. Um, oh. The uh, the horses that I, I kind of like underneath, and I may even get a little crazy and try to get um, Nick's go out of second. And uh, the horses that, that kind of do it for me here would be title ready and the longest shot on the board, uh, Common Deer. I think there's a, there's a little bit of upside there on that horse um, to pick up pieces. And, and you know, if, if Nick's go just says, you know what, I had enough, let's, let's it's over. 
maybe somebody can pick him up for second. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very tough read. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet the farm on it by any means, but mm -hmm. it, there is a possibility. I, I'm with you, Barry, because history shows that when you have, again, you have two horses in a showdown, one wins and the other one's not seen. Like, where did Chrome finish? Where did Accelerate finish? Uh, nowhere close to the winner. I think if you're going to play an Exacta or a Trifecta, you single Life is Good or Nick's Go, if that's where you're, you know, if you like the, one of those two horses, single them on top and then just go crazy with long shots in second and third and fourth. You're going to get a price. If it's not one of the two horses, you're going to get a price that's more value than what you probably should. Um, you brought up title ready. Dallas Stewart loves to, to hit the board in races like this. Um, you know, he, this horse, you know, wins the Louisiana stakes. Uh, there, you know, he sends him to Dubai. Chess Chief is a horse where you're like, I mean, if he hits the board, if he got third in this race, are you really going to be like, I'm surprised? You're going to be like, God damn it, I knew he was going to do that and I didn't play him. <laughs> yeah, well, my thing with Chess Chief is uh, if if that horse thinks that he's running at fairgrounds, he'll run. If he knows he's not at the fairgrounds, you can forget it. I should have I should have gone back to, to title ready because I was thinking more of him when I said that last thing. Yeah, Chess Chief, <laughs> five career wins, zero away from fairgrounds, and yet he scratched out of the race last weekend at fairground the Louisiana Stakes. He's like Mandaloon or Life is Good and Nick's Go. I'm gonna face those. Okay, Dallas. Um, well, I mean, I guess it, you know he finishes third. It's a three hundred thousand dollar payday. So that's true. Yeah. Uh, let's see if the, you guys have been great in the chat. Uh, we see uh, Steve says endorsed. By the way, Steve was giving you a thanks earlier. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Barry, but he was thanking you for your. Uh, your dunk uh, compilation that you posted. Uh, <laughs> Michael Myers says Stiletto Boy. I know Stiletto Boy is a popular one. Um, uh, if you're if you know of Dan, why is Dan my good long fr the friend that got me into horse racing? He said that Chess Chief is winning, so Chess Chief will probably not finish the race. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, let me ask you this: is, is it a terrible idea if you had strong opinions earlier, but you really can't decide between Life Is Good and Next Go? What if you just use both of these to end the pick four? You're like, one of the two is going to win. I don't know who it is. Is that a terrible move to use too heavy chalk like that? No, no, not at all. You know, I, I thought about it, you know, when I was, you know, kind of putting the ticket together. You know, I was thinking about just singling uh, in the second leg there and, and taking out that Pletcher horse for the Godolphin one and then using both Life is Good and Nick's Go in the last. Um, but it's, you know, if you can find a, a way to, to kind of you know, make it skinnier. Even if you, you know, this, this ticket that I gave is, is $20. If you add, uh, Nick's go to it, it's, it's 40. It's not that big of an investment. So, um, you know, you just got to hope that, uh, it gets a little wacky in those, in the first race and the third race. Uh, one horse I'll ask you about, and then, uh, if we can get out of here, a horse that I actually thought would be your answer to who most likely hit the board uh, the six horse, Sir Winston, uh, you know, I thought you were hyping him up with Chuck on your, your last podcast. I thought that you would be all over <laughs> Sir Winston in the, the Belmont stakes winner, uh, Mark Cassie now putting Edwin Gonzalez aboard this horse in all seriousness, I've seen all everybody thinking that this is who's going to hit the board is a lock to get, you know, he's going to get second. Uh, some people have him as the upset win pick in this race. Does this feel like the wise guy horse is going to be like sixth now? I hope I hope so because that'll just you know make all the other horses <laughs> bigger prices. Because I mean, the only win of note for this horse he beat Tacitus, who can't beat anybody. So, <laughs> yes. you know, this is that was in June of of 2019. You know, he hasn't done anything since. He he doesn't merit any respect from me in in this race. Unfortunately, um, he just. He just doesn't fit. He's 12 to 1 on the line, which is fine with me because that just kind of makes other horses bigger prices. <laughs> I just love that you jumped in with the Tacitus hate. You brought it full circle. Earlier, you were, that we started the show with, like, you were a lot like Mike. You ended the show kind of sounding like me. And then here, that was a M Magic and Mike thing, hating on Tacitus. That's really, that's really what everybody's here for. We just love the Tacitus slander. <laughs> Uh, on the Magic Mike show. But uh, Barry and I are both going to single Life is Good in the Pegasus World Cup. <laughs>
That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Barry Spears, my special guest, to go through the late pick four at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, uh, January 29th. It's the all-stakes, all-graded stakes pick four sequence. We've got uh, the inside track wagering guide to the Pegasus World Cup. If you want everybody's analysis from the Racing Dudes team, go to racingdudes.com and check that out. If you're watching us live or the replay on YouTube or Facebook, thanks so much for joining us. Give us a like, a thumbs up. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already because we've got a ton of content that we're now putting out in video form. We're going to give you our tickets one last time. It's going to be down below on the ticker. I'll start off with mine. I'm going to go 1, 3, 7, 8, 10, 11 with 4, 6, 8 with 1, 2, 3, 7, 12. Singling the four, that is a $45 ticket for 50 cents. Barry, please give me yours. Ah, let me just pull it up just to make sure. So in leg one, I have the 2, 3, 5, and 11. Leg two, 1, and 8. Like three, two, three, four, nine, and ten, and life is good. Numero four in the end to take it. Perfect. And like Barry had said uh, right at the end of our Pegasus talk, there, if you are wanting to play, you know, life is good with Nick's go, but you like everything else at Barry's ticket, it's still a forty dollar ticket. It's still pretty affordable. So um, if you have strong opinions, there is some chalk here. If you really want to press it, by all means, go for it. Uh, Barry, thank you so much for joining me. I was extremely excited about this, uh, about you coming on. As soon as I realized Mike was going to be in Vegas, I'm like, I'm finally going to ask Barry. I hope he's available. So I'm really happy it worked out. I want to turn it over for, to you before we go. Uh, just talk to us about uh, going in circles, a podcast you do with Chuck Simon, and anything else that you want to promote, including your Twitter and Instagram handles. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always on social media. Um, you know, uh, I do the Big Monday show. Uh, with Chuck Simon on the Going in Circles podcast. Uh, we do a lot of things. Um, we're, we're starting to do some more stuff. we got some videos coming out. Um, but, yeah, we, we talk kind of a, a real raw take on, on the sport and, and trying to improve it and, and get everything out there so we can, you know, discuss it like, uh, you know, two guys just hanging out at the track. <laughs> um, you can catch me all day, every day on Twitter at Urban Handicapper, U-R-B-N Handicapper. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I, I think, I mean, I'm sorry, on Instagram. I think it's B underscore Spears underscore Sniper. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of a less horse racing account. It's more just memes and videos and things of that sort. But yeah, there's my Twitter page. So I'm always, always on there. I love this photo of you and Jerry Bailey because if you ever forget how small jockeys are this is just such a great like it looks like he's on an apple box too like I, there's no way i believe that you and jerry are standing on the same level we weren't right no, we weren't no i was i was uh standing on the step below him <laughs> i mean look at how, how tall are you barry are you six uh, about six four yeah okay so that's what i am i was guessing that's what i'm just looking at your your hand uh, your hand is like as big Huge. as Jerry Bailey's head. Uh, and I'm not teasing you. I mean, it's, it's my, I've got long fingers, but I definitely don't have, there's no like, you know, no, no muscle or meat to there. But um, yeah, that's incredible. Anyways, this is Barry's Twitter page. Uh, he's got plenty of great stuff over here. So if you're not following him, first of all, what the hell's wrong with you? But make sure you go do that. Uh, he mentioned uh, with Chuck Simon, they do the Going in Circles podcast. Uh, the Big Monday Show. And what that is, if you're unfamiliar, is it's less handicapping and it's a lot more news, but there are other news shows that I used to listen to that were a little too um, PC or a little too kiss-assy of Baffert. Uh, so it's nice to have guys like you and Chuck who, who know the inner workings of the industry and you come to it with different backgrounds. Uh, Chuck's a very diverse background uh, as, as well as you have. So it's, it's great to have that be like a good news source because you're not spinning, you're not BSing, you're just, this is what's kind of wrong and what we don't like and here's how we want to try and fix it so make sure you give those guys a follow uh any any parting words before we get out of here mr spears yeah everybody you know uh actually as a as a betting aside if you hit the the early pick five yeah you could probably retire because that looks impossible but if if you if you're taking a shot on that card on on saturday but um you know I, i'm probably gonna probably gonna you know boost up that that amount of the ticket not just a 50 center so trying to hit it for a couple of times at least right we're trying to make uh we're trying to make our own three million dollar purses this week that's right <laughs> uh but listen it's, it's not only great that i had you on but you uh you brought in some new folks here to the chat which is great frank says barry equals ratings Hell hey yeah, frank i see mary mike mike myers everybody yep. fred b 
But you know who didn't show up is Vinny Blunt. So Vinny, uh, you know why Vinny didn't show up? He already knew we were going to hate on Tacitus. That's why he didn't even uh, <laughs> bother. But uh, Mary says, going in circles is a legit way to spend Monday night. Great insight into the larger world of horse racing. Really fun. Tune in, everyone. I couldn't agree more. Before we get out, I forgot there is uh, – I, I, we got football to talk about real quick. Dennis wants to know, uh, we've got Kansas City versus Los Angeles. Sorry, Kansas City versus, I was thinking about Super Bowl. Kansas City, Cincinnati, and then the Rams. Who are you going with? KC, because the Bengals can't block my daughter, who's eight years old. So And freaking adorable, too. Every, whenever you post <laughs> things about her on social media, I'm like, I, don't, I, I didn't think I'd ever want a daughter. And then I see pictures, stuff like that, and I'm like, man, she's kind of cute. Maybe a daughter would be fun. Between you and Mike, I'm like, God, why do you guys have cute daughters? <laughs> Um, and then 49ers at the Rams. Where are you going with that one? Niners. Ooh, I'm, okay. Well, yeah. we, were on, we were together with the, the Chiefs there. But um, listen, to make sure that the Racing Dudes website doesn't literally die over the weekend, let's all hope that the Kansas City Chiefs go back to the Super Bowl and can try and win the title again. But, Barry, thank you so much for joining me. He is at Urban, U-R-B-N, Handicapper on Twitter. Uh, I am at Curtis Keller, where the corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. Go to racingnews.com. The inside track to the Pegasus World Cup wagering guide is now available. Go get it. We'll see you folks at the track. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'll be back on Monday with uh, maybe Mike, somebody. We'll figure it out. But uh, good luck, everybody. Barry, thank you again. Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. Death, taxes, and Magic Mike on Monday.